All right, we're back at the post show. Here's the songs that I could have queued up, but I didn't queue up. So I was watching a documentary on Netflix about Bitcoin. And in like one of the interlude like cutscenes, they had a uh, subway performer playing, and it was this dude with this baritone sax, and he like had the he had this big heavy saxophone. He's doing all these like moves and stuff. And it turns out the band is called Too Many Zoos. Zoos with two Z's. One at the beginning, one at the end. And uh, I don't know, these has been rolling through my head for most of the week, so. When you said that, so that reminds me of this. If you could. Am I turned up? Oh, uh, you are turned up. You want me to pause this? Yeah, pause the. Oh, this was Too this is just cooks. brilliant. Yeah. I don't know how like if you weren't a child of the eighties, how this would go over. But mm-hmm. this is this is taking a like a full house style intro. Well, it's it's a little bit of everything. It's perfect yeah. strangers, right, well, yeah. it's full house, it's but I'm just giving you, you know, the, the basics and then like extending it into a a little story over 12 mm-hmm. minutes and <laughs> it was I mean it was a breakout hit for Adult Swim when it came it was like one of the things they did at 4am <laughs> I wonder what this, the thought process of the story was behind that like you know we'll just leak this thing out at 4 in the morning and well they, they do they, they constantly are doing that they, they just okay. produce crap and they throw it out there and with the idea that, hey, you know, let's just make some shit and throw it out there and see what sticks. But I mean, at first, this was just aired at four in the morning and not available online or anything, right? So. Smurf. I mean, the main premise of this was do you remember how long intros used yeah. to be? And then. I haven't seen this in a while. <laughs> I'm not sure if this is as good without watching the video. <laughs> there's a the teenage daughter who, uh, she's in her room and there's a peeping Tom who spots her. So she's like hand brawing herself. And then later on, like a minute and a half later, they're playing um, Pictionary. Pictionary. And she's and still, still hand bra <laughs> with their whole family around. And this is around, this is sort of that, that, that 70s show around, mm-hmm. uh, around a, a uh, table. But <laughs> people, they keep changing out right. who's sitting at the table. And now we're in a black family. Yeah, as soon as the black family pop up the first time, I, that's when like they like extra hooked me. Like, <laughs> you know, like this whole round table thing, I thought was like the, the thing that caught me. Like, oh, and this, this is, is where something. It caught me. Wait. Oh, when they, they do the theme into, change. Into, yeah. They, they... So now we got chips and 
whatever the you know popular eighties cop shows were on. <laughs> and all, all they the, the cool thing is they do all the characters you recognize. Here we doing... see the, the serial killer guy for the first yeah. time. Oh, now we have a coat. <laughs> now there's for the face. The, the, and a pie. Here's, here's where it starts to get. I mean, it, it did got a, a little absurd when they had a a Muppet in there, but now and now okay, they've switched to like GI Joe. Mm-hmm. So now you're like now you're getting like serial killer as GI Joe yeah. animation, <laughs> not Dynasty Falcon. <laughs> Back to the mansion. Back to the Falcon. <laughs> Back to the mansion. The record's skipping here. Back to the mansion. Back to the Falcon. Back to the mansion. <laughs> and every time he goes to the Falcon, he does this. He's looking away from me. Yeah. He turns towards the camera. It's the same clip over and over. It's like a gerbil clip, right? Mm-hmm. The serial killer is starting to really take take a uh, body count now. Oh, now we got some, uh... And now it turns wh- into more of, like, a horror movie. Yeah, there, it's, a little, it's a little bit of Revenge of the Nerds, a little bit of horror movie. Now it's going full-on horror movie. Yeah, a bunch of hot girls coming their hair in their... You know, PJs and... Mm. So she's, what, frozen and... Now she's oh, trying to She one. broke out of the. But she still has the credit on her. <laughs> yeah. So she broke out of the scene. But yeah, everyone she's running past has their credit. And you're hearing, like, the ha- hallway of the sound bed. Oh, don't hide in the closet. It's a horror movie. <laughs> and the serial killers. Homing it, honing in on where the sound bed's coming from. And you can see the credit. <laughs> you can see the credit through the slots in the closet. <laughs> Sorry, Katie Adkins. <laughs> Wonder Woman. She's spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning. <laughs> And the music stops because she's spinning too much. It's her high heels clumping on the floor. You think people are actually enjoying us MSTK 3Kng this uh, too many cooks? <laughs> the PP Tom is doing it. Oh, his head's cut off. These are all these people's real names, by the way. Oh, okay. And here's the, like, Hill Street Blues. Law and Order is that? The yeah, same music straight up, yeah. Law and Order. And there's a head in the sink. Head in the sink. Oh, this is good. And they don't. They keep showing the, uh,. No, the serial, the serial killer's killer. reprising all the other roles. You know, he's a cannibal yeah. serial killer. 
and you can't ever see his his name. It's always like, oh, oh, who is that? Who lasered him? It's Smurf the Muppet, who blows up, and he's a robot. This is the story. Battlestar Galactic. Cybernetic Operational Optimized Knights of Science <laughs> Defending Humanity Cooks. Against Beast Rebels of the Hellscape When it comes to the future You can Gosh. never have too many cooks Good. Can you imagine being the guy who is like uh, working on the sets and the for like these like ten five second scenes? <laughs> like I'm making a spaceship set for a five second clip. Well, I mean it's in Atlanta, right? So they probably have like the basics of these sets already. Yeah. You can't talk that it's way. Something. That's your sister. Well, that's a fine how do you do laugh track. Oh, look at the neighbors. I don't gonna... Here's one of the guys in the original who's like, mm -hmm. This is the worst case of intronitis I've ever seen. You can even hear the theme music. And the thing is, we have no idea how contagious this strain is. Now look. Oh, the doctor now has credits. <laughs> no. Damn it. Damn it to hell. <laughs> the, the disease is making him look at the camera and smile. Oh, there's a little Seinfeld break. Whoa, things are starting to get crazy. Worlds are starting to combine. Oh, this is the best part. Now the credit is so the this is the best part here we gotta stop right here so right now the humans like the, you don't have the to stop we can continue well, okay well i don't want to miss the next thing the credit but, the, the credits are, are human shaped and the people are and the people are trapped as credits and they're screaming and yeah and then oh smarf is bleeding out and, he's, and he sees the button the red button and he's trying his last bit of energy he had I thought his he fur was all burned off already. Well, it's it's too many cooks, man. And he, he presses pushes the button. The button. And it's his last done. act, and he's yeah. it's on the floor, bled out. He goes to white, and Smarf looks around. Brady Bunch. All the characters. A lot of characters. Is that literally how many people were in I this? I think there were a couple that were repeated. Okay. That right. seems more realistic. Yeah. That group right there, <laughs> yeah. right? And then it's a shot of it, and then there's the serial guy in the center. And here's where it starts. The show finally starts. Honey, I'm home. See you next week. 
Yeah, I forgot about a couple parts of that. Yeah. So that was clever. Too many cooks. Anyway, back to your thing. Too many whatever it was. Too many zoos. Too many zoos. Too many zoos. Kind of like techno horns, you know, it's very repetitive and whatnot, but get part of it is watching this baritone guy just like make his moves. He's it's pretty uh, pretty interesting. Anyway, would you like some more of your number one beer? Nah, I'm good. You sure? Yes. Not enough to save. You want a little bit? Taste? Alright. Wet your whistle? Fine. Steve or <laughs> I like turtles. <laughs> Zombie boy. You got a nice sound bed there. I'm, I'm pretty, you know, pretty good selection, but it's not all great. So you said you had some bad news in the pre-show. I told you what it was. Yes, I mean no, I have similar, not bad, bad news, and that is so. Allie plays on a couple soccer teams, but. Her, you know, highest performing team is her travel soccer team. And it turns out there was a bunch of new registrations for travel soccer this spring. And two kids got kicked off of Allie's travel team who's been playing together for a year and a half now. And it was Allie was one of them, so she's going to get bumped to another team. Oh. And they're starting to play, like, in the indoor season. They're playing really well. They're actually doing real passes and doing some stuff, and you know, Allie's getting moved to another team, and it's. I'm gonna help coach out. It'll be okay, but the thing that kills me is, you know, these girls have been working for a year and a half together, and it seemed like the tryouts are in the summer, and it seems like the fall team and the spring team stays the same. But for some reason, they let a bunch of kids had a bunch of kids sign up in the spring only, and. Um, yeah, and, and part of me is wondering whether, since Allie had that bone bruise and was out for so many weeks, that that's part of the reason that she got kicked off the team. Mm. I'm looking and for for her for Danny Corn's tweet. I don't see it. It was just a like. Oh, just a like? Only a like. Okay, so... But, I mean, it's... She saw it. Yeah. And part of her talk today, when she was in Dubai at an education thing, she was talking about, like, how she got started, and she she kind of, like, stalked Derek for Veritasium, and, you know, got, got tips on, you know, how to, how to do stuff. So, maybe what I'm going to have to do now is, like, remember that story about Derek? Well, can we stalk you? Because Allie's really into this stuff. So. <laughs> well, ask her. It'd be, you know it would be really cool? Ask her if she's ever in the Pittsburgh area to come by and, and you know... If she would be as you know, so kind as to like meet up with Allie, yeah. maybe even record like a little bit of a of a segment mm-hmm. just you know for her, she probably would. Because I think that's that's her goal, right? Is to mm-hmm. inspire uh, girls to to get into this stuff. I mean, she she's not just for girls. Mm-hmm. I like physics girl in general, no, like what no. she does. But I think that part of her goal is to say. You can do this, and you don't yeah. have to. You don't have to surrender being a girl to still love this stuff. Yeah, she. You know, she's she has an interesting persona, right? Because she has a fair amount of goofiness still, but she's super passionate mm-hmm. and excited about what she does. 
and um, she, she's pretty good at you know part of part of her persona is to have a bit of wonder for things that she has to already know you know go taking you know having a physics degree from MIT and whatnot you know like she asks on her channel some relatively basic questions mm -hmm. and she plays it like let's figure this out right you know and on the surface it seems like Oh, well, come I mean, on! You, on the surface, it seems like come on, you should know that. But I think it's persona. I think it's just the character. I think it's well, yeah. It, it's like what's it? Remember when we used to listen to Astronomy Cast, and there was mm -hmm. um, uh, it was Pamela and who was the dude? Frazier. Frazier. Yeah. Who who would ask questions that he presumably already knew the answer mm -hmm. to, but he would let Pamela answer the questions, because um, that was the persona at the time. Mm -hmm. So it's. And it's like what she did with the, you know, it's not that she doesn't go into it, because she will. Like the acoustic le levitator, that was, you know, that was, mm -hmm. an, when I saw that, I was like, okay, that's something that you have to do. Because A, you can 3D print it, so you got the stuff already. Right. But B, it was like a cool thing that... Well, it's it's kind of how democratizing 3D printing is. It's almost like the printing press in ways where... It wasn't very long ago that this is cutting edge university research. Okay, but I'm not talking about 3D printer. I'm just no. I'm talking no, no, no. The levitator. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Ultrasound levitation with standing waves is cutting edge university research, mm -hmm. and 3D printing allowed the professor I don't remember his name no, to democratize this thing like super quickly. And like in the video of Physics Girl's video, right? There's like, oh, she made the same thing Allie made, and it has standing waves, and you can levitate foam and liquids if you have a really well put together system. But then you see a quick clip of what he's working on, what his state of the art is, yeah. and his state of the art is software that can control the nodes in, in an array to ha to choreograph the nodes, mm -hmm. so you can have particles that interact with each other, that move around each other. And you're like, oh, okay, so that's a fancy dance of floating particles, but what's the practical value? Well, part of it's open-ended research. You don't know what the value is until someone else finds right. the value. But I can definitely imagine in microgravity using ultrasound to manipulate parts. Sure, but also, you know, like, there's all kinds also of think about the fact that a lot of... The transistor was a open research type thing it was bell labs playing mm -hmm. around with with uh, right but i mean so semiconductors and trying to you know i'm i'm curious i think that you know so in gravity you the can transistor the most one of the most important fundamental things about our technology right, today right. i'm sorry i mean to change but back to anything else about the trans i don't want to interrupt you it's sorry no. okay back to levitating pieces the transistor sorry back to levitating pieces of styrofoam it's a parlor trick, is what we have. So, um, I'll finish my thought. I'm going to tell you a little side story real quick. Uh, but, you know, like, okay, what can they do in gravity? Well, I don't know what it can do in gravity. But in microgravity, it can move much, probably more massive things around. It's almost like an ion engine, right? Where it can, you know, small amounts of pressure, you know, can can move stuff. As know? long as there's air around you, sure, sure. Yeah, right. Oh well, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying in the vacuum of space. I'm just saying on the space station. Well, or... it's so the the applications so far are extremely limited. They have to be very low density uh, and low mass. 
But if you're to in micro, okay, if you're in microgravity, uh-huh. you could use this to keep. No, there's like the wavelength of the waves, and if something's too big for the wavelength, but like he talked about in the physics school video about germinating seeds, okay. levitated, right? You know, germinating seeds in microgravity, the stuff's going to float all over the place. You're going to have to tether it somehow, but maybe you tether it with standing wave, you know? Standing pressure wave, sure, you could do that. So maybe that's like, I, I kind of, if if I was the guy dictating where ultrasound levitation goes mm-hmm. and standing wave manipulation goes, it, I think, you know, you could use that to facilitate yeah, I think microgravity it, I experiments. I think it's the beginnings of, of, of an idea, and who knows if it will go somewhere, because, you, know, you know, ideas are often tossed away. Because or, or, density uh, doesn't matter. It's still the, the, the size of the object matters because of the wavelength of right. the ultrasound. But you could have a denser object in microgravity, and the levitator should still be able to manipulate it. Well, see, the problem is the more massive it is, of course, the harder it is to control cause, because the more inertia it has. So I'm not talking about rapid movements. I'm talking about yeah. kind of keeping something suspended. Right. Because that's a huge problem on the space station is stuff floats away. But Nothing then, stays but, put. But what hasn't been examined is, of course, the effect of the ultrasound on right. On the, the, right. The so if you're using ultrasound to keep a seed stationary while it germinates in microgravity. So I, I think before, what's the effect of the ultrasound pressure waves on the seed versus right. So I think before you even do the thing in, in microgravity, you, you run the test on Earth. The ultrasound, which wouldn't have you know much of an effect in terms of holding it in place on Earth, but it would still be a, the effect of the ultrasound versus a control where it's not happening, and just see if there's any changes there. That way you can account for any changes that would occur because of the ultrasound and microgravity, which may, mm-hmm. which are on, which are variables you don't know about if you do the experiment trying to germinate a seed in, in that ultrasound mm-hmm. environment without doing the experiment. Just from, from the pressure, perspective... Pressure would be a neat variable to test with the levitator. Put it inside a pressure chamber mm. and variable less than atmospheric more than atmospheric because you would figure with higher pressure it would have more ability to keep more massive things in place assuming the permeability of, of the air is the same at higher pressure yeah it, you would think you know if it's linear right the yeah, higher yeah, the pressure right. the the higher the slopes on that pressure wave are right you know, so you can have a more massive thing. But I think I think the really... You're not going to have bigger things. Because when something goes outside the wavelength or half wavelength of the ultrasound... Right. Then it's not going to be able to sit in a node. It's going to be torn between a node and a mm-hmm. peak or two peaks or two nodes. And that's going to just throw it out and make it unstable, I would think. That would... Yes, I agree. But in in theory, you could go with smaller waves, right? You know, for a larger object, as long as you could keep those those waves stable, and as long as they they were yeah, you powerful got, enough to you know, and, and, is, and large enough decibel to hold in. Yeah, to, the problem is if you're using waves that are between twenty hertz and twenty thousand hertz, then humans can hear them, right? And that's that's a problem when you're using the decibel levels that right. these things run at 
LA can still LA there must so um, there's some subharmonics on the on the on the um, on the levitator. I'm not sure exactly how subharmonics arise out of the system, but it was mentioned in some of the instructables comments because Alec, Alec can hear when it's on. Yeah, so can so uh, a guy at work uh, Mike could hear it. He said he could hear it when it was on. I I can't. You know, 40, <laughs> like when we were testing it in the video, right before we had the jumper on, she plugs it in. She tries to levitate things, but she knew it wasn't on. She knew something wasn't right, but she just wanted to get the shot. Kids can hear, man. She tried Kids to have... levitate it. Kids yeah. have hearing we forgot we had. Yeah, I'm not sure how subharmonics arise because the transducers work at 40,000 hertz. So it's not coming out of the transducer. It's right. coming out of some kind of bounce off of something or off of the waves themselves. or And it's something probably small that, that our brains have now and our you know our ability to, to hear it. And, and what, if you look at Ellie's video... My iPhone microphone right. could definitely pick it up. Yeah. It, the pressure, I think it was the pressure wave, right? It was kind of like, it was probably like clipping the microphone. It it, probably, it, it's possible, but that also happened in, in, uh, in, in, in yeah. Diana's. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, but what it's probably doing is it's probably pushing the diaphragm on the microphone towards its end stop, right? It's probably the pressure wave, while the microphone's not designed to pick it up. It's pushing that diaphragm in, and it's probably banging off the end stop of the you know the, the limits of the microphone. I mean, is it at this point? It's, it, it's probably more solid state than an actual diaphragm. I'm not sure exactly how the microphones these days work. But they still have to have a diaphragm that vibrates. It can't be solid state. I wouldn't think. If you can do a solid state gyroscope, I don't see why you could do a solid state microphone. Yeah. It would just detect. It would, it would detect the vibrations at the quantum level as opposed to detecting them. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I gotta pee. Okay. Uh, that's enough. Yeah, I mean, yeah, sure. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. 